You're listening to the Fairfax Bible Church Discipleship Podcast, where we aim to help our church think biblically and grow as disciples who love Christ and live sent for His glory. For more information about our church, visit www.fairfaxbible.org or follow us on social media. Well, thank you guys for joining us for episode number eight of our Discipleship Podcast. I am Pastor Jeff uh, here at Fairfax Bible Church. I'm being joined by Dave Kelly, Mr. Dave Kelly, one of our elders uh, here at our church. So glad that you could join us for this. I think this is absolutely here. Here's the thing: we we talk. We're just going to jump into it because we were actually just talking. This this could go long. We're going to just pray that the Lord does what He wants here with this. But we've been sensing the urgency and the desire to encourage and challenge our church to kind of wake up in this season. I know it's been difficult and maybe we've gotten a little out of shape in our walk with Christ. And we talk about making disciples like all the time, right? Uh, and, and, and we've been asking the Lord to really uh, help us grow as disciples of Jesus. But I want to focus on something that I, I think should be kind of obvious, but maybe it's something that we just need to re-examine and be honest with. Uh, as we look at what God's Word says. And, and that's the fact that uh, Jesus's call to follow him as a disciple is kind of intense. And, and, and we might even say it's kind of radical, right? So we want to talk about what that means to be a radical disciple. In fact, I was, I've been thinking about this, and, and uh, yesterday even, uh, I was reading in, in Luke, I'm going to share this with you, Luke chapter 14, verse 33 Jesus says this, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Like, how do we reconcile statements like that, where where, where it's basically saying, like, you either are or you're not a disciple, and the evidence is whether you renounce all that you have. Like, and, 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 and I've been thinking about how, is that true in, in my life? And, and are there things that I'm holding on to too tightly and, and things that I want that I, oh, I'm not sure that I'm ready to really give that up to follow Christ? Like, am, am I willing to lay down my, my wife and my kids, my family, my, my, my house, my, my, my job, my reputation, my, my comfort, my convenience, my time, like, like my money? Like, are there things that, that we, we just not be willing to lay down on the altar and say, Lord, it's yours. Like, I, I want you more than anything. So, so this call seems uh, pretty radical, but I think uh, radically following Jesus is just normal Christianity. I think that's what it means to be uh, a, a disciple, and anything less than that is just not discipleship. And, and, and so um, we want to talk about what that looks like and, and how do we really pursue that. And, and I'll confess to you, uh, I think this has been really helpful. Uh, both Dave and I are taking some of our thoughts from uh, David Platt's book, uh, Radical, and, 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 and not, we're, we're not necessarily like walking through all of this material, uh, but this has kind of shaped some of our thoughts and our ideas on this. Uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, if you don't like being convicted, just don't read this book. Uh, <laughs> fair, Dave. Like absolutely, uh, man. If you if you just like things as they are, and and you're not really worried about loving Jesus, and 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 maybe the fact that like we think that we're Christians and we're not actually being disciples, like 
don't pick up that book uh, uh, because all he's doing is just taking a, a honest look at the scriptures. But but let's talk about this, Dave. Well, when we say being a, a you know a, a radical disciple, what what do we mean by that word radical? Yeah, so I, I want to start with a couple of disclaimers, caveats here. Um, first is I, I don't feel qualified to talk about being a radical disciple. There's a, the the football coach in DC has this quote that he always says. He says, "Don't draw me a map unless you've been there." And I feel like as Pastor Jeff was asking me to think about this, like, I'm not sure that I've been there, but I was really encouraged by Philippians 3.12. It says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And so with that in mind, we, we press on with this podcast and we press on because we want to we wanna be the kind of disciples that, that Christ calls us to be. The other caveat I want to add is I think that when you just need to be a little bit careful when we talk about the word radical, we don't want to invite any sort of legalism or comparison among believers. Um, we don't want folks who are listening to be tempted toward toward categorize, categorization of, of disciples. There's, there's this thing that Tim Keller often says. He says, other religions are essentially advice that add burdens for how to get to God. But Christianity is not advice, but news of how God came to us. And so the gospel is not meant to the gospel is meant to to lift burdens off of us. And we want to be careful to operate out of that space as we talk about discipleship and, and we get after what Christ Jesus has made us his own for. So just wanted to kind of start with, with the level set there. And I wanted to kind of, speaking of the gospel, I wanted to go into kind of my first idea I wanted to share, which, which is the idea that, that radical Christianity is a response to a radical gospel. So we're going to talk about some things that Jesus said. Pastor Jeff, is, Jeff, you've already just shared the, the Luke passage. We're going to talk more, more about what Jesus said, but I want to just first start talking about what Jesus did for us. And, and we've heard it many times, but just think about it in terms of its radicality, right? So, so the creator of the universe in Philippians 2, the creator of the universe emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, was born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on a cross. That's the creator of the universe that did that. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, for our sake, he made him. So the, the creator, holy, perfect Jesus to be sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And that, that news is radical. And it's, the Bible even talks about how that sounds that can sound foolish to those who are perishing. And so we're talking about that kind of grace and that kind of mercy and that kind of love that we receive from Christ. And it's radical because it's, it's unlike other, other love that we receive from, from people. It's, it's, it's a love that animates us into action. There's a quote from, from this book uh, from David Platt. It says, the overflowing joy of a radical gospel inside of us produces radical fruit outside of us. So that, that radical gospel inside of us flows out into, into radical fruit outside. And, and regarding the gospel, one more thing on this, Isaiah 6, um, where, where Isaiah is, you know, we remember, remember this passage, he's in the throne room of God and, and he's, he's, there's smoke and he's seeing God and his glory in the temple. And Isaiah says, woe is me. And then the burning coal touches his lips and his sin is atoned for. And then Isaiah writes this, he says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. 
And that's the kind of response to, to the gospel, the kind of response to grace and mercy that we're, that we're talking about here. And that's the, that's, that's the response that we want to see. That's, that's what we're like calling believers to, right? Like we want to see that kind of reaction knowing, I, I think it's so important that we start there. And I'm so glad you did that, that we, we recognize Jesus is not just like a good example for us to follow as if like what he did was radical. So we should do that too. Because, mm. because that kind of gives us the impression that we just needed Jesus to kind of help us out a little bit. But when we realize like we're absolutely in desperate need of a savior because of our sin, and then we realize what he did for us, that man, it makes it, it makes the gospel, it's more than just what he did to get me into heaven, as if I need to just add Jesus to my life. He is my life. And the, the only proper response there is like complete surrender uh, to him. So. Yeah, the other thing that I want to call out is, and this might sound a little strange, but but radical Christianity isn't about me. Um, so think about this. Think about, let's say you're you're a Christian in America, and somebody asks you the question, "What is the message of Christianity about?" And I think that a typical sort of fair response would be, "Christianity is about the fact that God loves me enough to send His Son Jesus to die for me." And and when you when you hear that. You hear me, you hear Christianity's object being me. And I feel like that can kind of, that can kind of lead to all sorts of, of sort of me-oriented approaches to discipleship. Like what, what church fits me? What career plans work best for me? What, what Saturday night plans will make me happy? And the list kind of goes on. But if you think about that question, what, what's the message of Christianity about? And if you think of a biblical response, like God loves me, yes, so that I might make him his ways, his salvation, his glory known among the nation. And, and so now among the nations, so now you've got a God who's at the center of our faith instead of me. And so the sort of the end of the gospel is not, not I'm saved, but it's God is glorified. And I feel like that can sort of change our mindset completely. That's really good. I, I think, um, uh, as, as we as we look at this like is the glory of Christ the passion of our soul and 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 it's important that we're um, we're admitting and and making sure we're really clear I love that you even said that day that we want to uh, we want to steer clear of looking at this as if there's two different tiers of Christians like there's there there's like disciples like normal disciples and then they're like radical disciples right as if as if there's there's really a difference you know like there are some people that you know like they believe in Jesus and then there are people that are just a little bit more into Jesus than everybody else like no no like we we love Christ and his glory we want that that's what being a disciple is and it's just normal and, and we need to embrace, uh, you, you had pointed out to me, Dave, uh, one of the things that, that David Platt was saying in here, that we, we don't want to just uh, assign the obligations of Christianity to a few people while keeping the privileges all to us, right? Like when mm -hmm. Jesus is saying like, hey, like come to me, all you who are, are weary and heavy laden, that, that we, we're not just, uh, you know, like, oh, I, I love that part. Like that's, that's what I need. But then when he says like, go make disciples, we're like, ah, yeah. like I don't know that that I I'm not I'm not to that level of discipleship yet no but this is what disciples are like we love Christ and we're so passionate about his glory that we abandon and surrender 
everything to follow him. That's just normal Christianity. So, so Dave, talk to us. Why, why, why is this so challenging uh, for us? Yeah, I mean, Jesus's words are really challenging. Like there's a passage, there's a passage in, in, in John 6, verse 66, where, where, where Jesus had been talking to his disciples and, and the disciples, here's what it says. It says, after this, what Jesus had said to them, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so I, I thought it would be fun to leave as an exercise to the listener, go into John 6. And if you're curious, find out what Jesus said that caused many of his disciples to turn back and no longer walk with him. Um, it's challenging words. Another one, Matthew, Matthew 10, 28. So he says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him, fear him who can destroy both soul and body. And it's like Jesus just said, this is radical. He just said, don't worry. The worst humans can do is kill you. So fear me. <laughs> like, I feel like I was thinking about this, Jeff. I, I feel like we should do a podcast on like the four or five most challenging things Jesus said and just like process them and, and try to like work through what are you saying and what it means for our life? But that's not this podcast. Some people may be thinking now, like, I wish it was this podcast, but that's um, challenging follow words on. from Jesus. <laughs> yeah, follow on. Okay. You know what we're doing? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so radical Christianity, the other thing, why this is so hard, it doesn't make sense a lot of times to the world around us. Like it goes against, you know, the thing that, that we, you know, Pastor Jeff mentioned this, I think, I think Jeff, you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week, the American dream, like the, the pursuit of comfort and self-indulgence and, and, and self-sufficiency. I, I feel like that just, it runs so deep. Like if we don't push against it, it's like, it's the default position of our hearts, like self, our own agendas above God's. And I feel like it's so subtle and so pervasive we don't even notice it apart from the Holy Spirit in this culture. And so uh, like, here's what I wonder, have you ever had this experience um, where you, you've done something or thought about doing something that you know is aligned with God's heart, but there's a non-Christian or even honestly other Christians who would say that's too costly, that's too risky. Like, I feel like for me, um, I've shared this, um, we we're, we have we're caring for a fifth young person in our house now and and like there was a moment before we had her come or where tay and i were just we were really tempted to think that it's just it's just too costly like it's just i mean it's good to count the cost right but it was it was that moment of like this is just this is too much and there are t there are people like in our lives who were just like it doesn't even make sense that we would take on another um to care for them but god god led us to push past that and to just and to step into that, that faith, just trusting him. The other example, like I want to, now that I'm a parent and I've got kids who are teenagers, is, is, is this idea, like think about the well-intentioned Christian parent who's, who just, their, their son or daughter comes to them and says, you know, I want to be an overseas missionary in a country that's, that's difficult. Like as a parent now, I, I kind of get that, like I could, kind of put myself in that shoes and like it's one thing if someone in your in your small group says yeah I'm, I'm thinking about going overseas like there's there's a couple people at our church now I, I know that are considering that in the near future um it's one thing for someone in your small group to say that but imagine like your son or daughter comes to you and says that I feel like my flesh would just want to push against that and 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 not not want to 
to, to step into that, that place where like, I want missions to be overseas. I want to be able to write a check and, and sort of be safely away from that. I don't want, I don't want my family to, to step into what God's doing over there, but this is discipleship. Like you said, Jeff, it's, this is what discipleship is. This is what his disciples do. And we see it in his word and it's, it's what it's, it's for God's glory. And it's, it's, I guess, normal. And are we willing to do that? Are, are we willing? I, I think about it in terms of uh, like the opportunity that we have to, to shepherd and to lead uh, God's church and, and calling people to those kind of like abandon and surrender. Um, I, I, I was, I was actually thinking about the fact that like in our, in our church, we want to make sure that, that everybody feels welcome and nobody feels comfortable. Mm. Like, why, why, why do we settle for being comfortable when that's not why we're here? Like, there's a job to do, and there, there are, like, like, like why, why, um, why, why would we uh, think like I, I'm just I don't want to be a part of that? Like, I just want to run back to and and the the reason I think it's so challenging is because while I think about like urging and and encouraging other believers to get after it, I have to just look in the mirror and say like. Ugh. am I doing this? Like it, it's convicting. I think we've been in this, in this season over the last year where, um, you know, there's just, there has, there's been a lot of uh, uncertainty. There's, there's been a lot of, you know, fears that have come up and like, what's going to happen? What's this going to look like? And frustrations and you know, kind of sick of things at the same time, like, you know, a lot of our uh, routines like got upended and, and, and now like, we don't have maybe quite as many meetings that we got to get to at night and uh, like we're not in events and things that just aren't happening, like are not able to happen. And so, uh, you know, it, it, it's easy for us when, when things, when life gets uncomfortable, we tend to run back to the things that are uh, comfortable, that give us that sense of, of comfort. And for me, I've been, I've been thinking about what does it look like for, for me to be uncomfortable for the glory of Christ? And are we willing to do that? Are we willing to uh, kind of assess like how, what, what is, what does it, what does it mean uh, for our family? Uh, what does it mean for my, you know, Thursday nights when I'd rather just be free to do what I want to do? Uh, whatever the case may be, like I'm, to, to, to think about radically following Christ and surrendering those things and being uncomfortable for his glory like does it does honestly does it bother me more that we still can't eat in person at chick-fil-a or that there are lost people around the world that have never heard the gospel of christ and why would it bother me why would these inconveniences or discomforts like just irritate me so much when when there's there are people that that are dying and on their way to hell like like, where's the sense of urgency to, to just kind of realize, like, man, we got to wake up and, and stop running back to just trying to get to levels of comfort in our life and embrace uh, the mission that, that Christ has given us. And, and I just have to look in the mirror, too, and say, am I doing this? Am I having people over? Are we uh, sharing the gospel? Am I, am I willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of his glory and that others might uh, know him and love him too. Yeah. I like, I like that question. Are we willing to be uncomfortable? I, 
I was thinking about Mark 10, um, speaking of kind of an uncomfortable moment with Christ. In Mark 10, it, it talks about the, the rich young ruler, the, the rich young man who, who encounters Christ. And, and by worldly standards, he would be like a good catch for the cause of Christianity. He's got influence. He's got money. And um, so he asked Jesus, what, do I, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And listen to what Jesus said. So, so rather than Jesus saying like, well, you've, you've got to invite me into your heart. You've got to pray the sinner's prayer. Like Mark 10, 21, which this is, I didn't notice this before. But this is pretty cool. Mark 10, 21 says, Jesus looked at him and loved him and then asked him to sell his possessions and follow him. And, or really told him to sell his possessions and follow him. And the cost was too high, like for this man, it was, it, it was too, he was too deep in his idolatry and comfort to believe that his life was, was that broken that he needed a savior. And I feel like for me, like, if I'm being honest, like sometimes I'm scared to face that sort of same moment with Christ where, where I said, I sort of ask him the big question or the big things and, and like, he's going to look at me and he's going to love me and then he's going to tell me the truth and it's going to break through the lie that I've built up and it's going to be really costly. Um, so the, the later in the, in the passage in Mark 10, we see, we see Peter who just saw this interaction and, and Peter said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus says, I, I say to you, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel that won't receive a hundredfold now in this time and in the age to come eternal life. And so Jesus is, Jesus is sort of answer to the question, is it worth it? Is the cost worth it? His answer is absolutely it's worth it. And so kind of ask ourselves, like, do we believe that? Do I believe that it's worth it? That he really is worth it. I think about uh, just um, as 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 we get so maybe distracted by what we've got going on and the things that that are important to us that that we actually, uh, you know, the the because if we look and say, man, that cost just seems really high, it must be because we don't think that Jesus is better. Like, do we really know that in his presence, there is fullness of joy and it is right hand or our pleasures forevermore? <laughs> like that, 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 that we, when, when we are thirsty, when we are hungry, we can come to him and, and delight ourselves in rich food, listening to him. Like he is the reward and he's so much better. And, and man, I just, I wouldn't want to get the whole world. I wouldn't want to like have my, you know, Thursday, Friday nights to myself and, and, and have a bigger vacation, have a bigger house, have like, have, have the comforts of the world and yet forfeit my soul. Isn't that what he says? Like, like, that's not worth it. Like, I don't want to miss out on him. And, and do we believe that, that Jesus really is better so much so that that's what would lead us to the abandonment. That's what would lead us to, to renounce all that we have to, to sell it all. I think about, it's one of my favorite parables uh, just came to my mind that uh, where, where Jesus is saying there's, there's a, a man who came across a, a treasure hidden in a field. And when he saw it, like he covered it up and he goes and sells everything that he has. And in his joy, he goes and buys that field. Like, like this is so much better than everything I have. 
I'm literally willing to get rid of all of this just to have this. Like, do I think about Jesus that way? Like, he is so awesome. He is so glorious, so uh, soul satisfying that I would literally abandon everything if I could just have him. And the fact that we have him means like, we don't have to fear losing what we have. I don't have to, to, to hold on to it with this vice grip, afraid that, that, that God's going to take these things away. And like, oh, like, I don't know if I really want to pray that because that, you know, he's probably, he's probably coming after the thing that I'm holding on to too tightly. But, but he's going to prove to me that he's good. He's going he's gonna to do this to show me that he's so much better than anything else in the world. So we've got well, to believe that. But that's so challenging. And I think it's mostly challenging because we have these idol factories in our hearts that we just run after other things. But this is what he's called us to. Uh, a, a reckless, radical abandon of everything else, just to the pursuit of Christ. But, but they just talk practically. Like, how do how do we do this? Like, what what do, what do we do about this? Like, right now. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing I have is is the idea of of radically radically positioning ourselves for kingdom impact. So I'm thinking of of Luke nine two. It says that Jesus sent his disciples out to proclaim two things: one, the kingdom of God. And two, to heal. So thinking about declare, <clears throat> excuse me, declaring the gospel and then demonstrating the gospel by meeting needs. And so the encouragement here is, is the idea that, that we should be, we should go, <laughs> we should be faithful to go and, and connect to a space, like a person or organization, a location, some sort of channel where, where there's gospel need. And so um, kind of like the disciples, they, they went, like Jesus sent them. Um, into the city. They didn't know exactly what they were going to find there. They didn't know all the details, but um, the idea is that they were faithful to sort of enter the city and, and see what God's doing and, and sort of be there in a space where they could declare the gospel and demonstrate the gospel. And so thinking about Tay and I, um, we found that sort of putting ourselves in those spaces just opens up opportunities to do that. And so a couple examples for us um, our, our prior small group got connected to Catherine Hanley Family Shelter and just went and, 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 and served a meal there. And what happened was over time, it sort of opened up more opportunities to serve to the point where the volunteer coordinator was, you know, sending us emails like, hey, there's this need. Hey, can you come and organize our, our, our shed and our, and our closet? And so it sort of opportunities beget other opportunities. And, and it was true also for my brother-in-law who lives in South Arlington where there's tons of need and he's just got a servant heart to serve that community. And sort of his service has spilled over into us having opportunities to serve um, that community as well. And so, so the idea is sort of the challenge here is do you have a space that you can enter into where there's, there's real gospel need? And if you don't, like maybe, maybe the challenge is to gather some brothers and sisters together. Like Jesus sent his disciples into the city. He, it says in Mark that he sent them two by two. So he sent them in pairs. And so find one, uh, find, find, find some community and then find a space that you can enter into. Like the Rumballs did. I'm, I'm so encouraged with the Lamb Center that they did over the past few months where they just dove into that and was able to, were able to serve the Lamb Center um, and it just seemed like there were multiple opportunities that sort of arose as they put themselves into that space. And so we need, we need community to serve Christ radically. Um, and so maybe take advantage of our small group opportunities to, to serve together. Yeah. 
I think what you're talking about sounds a lot like living scent, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, am I using the resources that God has given me and the opportunities that I have to advance the gospel? Do I, do I am, am I burdened uh, by the lost? And I think that's maybe, maybe we start by praying about that. And, uh, and, and really praying is in that, you know, Jesus calls us like, look, look, the fields are white for harvest and, and, and pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers like that, that we would pray uh, for the church to go. It's one of the things I, 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 I was uh, impacted by in David Platt's book there that, 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 that Jesus's concern isn't necessarily just for the lost there. His concern is that his church won't go. And man, I think that that's just been too, it's been often, uh, too often that's been true of, of my life where I'm not really intentional about seizing those opportunities or looking for those opportunities or creating those opportunities. I was actually talking with another guy in, in our church today um, who's just encouraged me by uh, letting me know he's got a, a group of uh, a guys that are friends of his from his past um, that, that, you know, buddies from years ago that knew him before he came to Christ. And, uh, and, and, you know, they're dealing with everyday life stuff, nothing crazy, just they're dealing with like trying to be dads and, you know, like, and I think it, it provided uh, uh, one of the guys in our church, it provided him an opportunity to say, Hey, I got this book that we're reading on uh, uh, the, the, the disciplines of a godly man. Uh, so, some, something along those lines, one, one of those, one of those books that could uh, really just be a, a platform or, or springboard for gospel conversations. And if they're willing, and they're, these guys are not believers, they're not Christians, but they're willing to read a book together with them. It just provides opportunities for the for the gospel conversations to flow out. But 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 it also to me, we you know, Carissa and I've been thinking and talking about, you know, I know that again, I know the pandemic's kind of changed a lot of our routines and 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 right now it may, you know, it may not be safe and or or appropriate to necessarily like just invite all your neighbors over, but but we can't use it as an excuse. Like, ah, you know, we can't really talk to people right now. And, and so like the, the mission doesn't get put on pause. And so we've just been thinking about like, we've got this big old dining room table. Are we using that for the glory of Christ? Like, are we, are we thinking about hospitality and, 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 and uh, how we can and should be using that? Are we giving, are we sacrificing our money? Like we have so much, we have so much. Are we, are we thinking about ways that we can use the resources and the opportunities that God has given us to just live sent and, and, and really just asking ourselves, like you said, how do I do that? Are there ways that I should be uh, more uncomfortable and sacrificing some of my comforts for the sake of the lost, for the sake of the glory of Christ? Yeah, there's ways you can use your garage for the glory of Christ too, believe it or not. <laughs> you how, many, have a garage. How, many, uh, how many propane tanks have you guys gone through with your outdoor space heater now? Yeah, it's it's probably like 25 it's been or something. It's a lot, hasn't it? I yeah. love that you guys do that. What a sacrifice. That's, that's awesome. Uh, the other thing I, I wanted to call out um, is, is, is sort of radical discipleship the idea of, of, of sort of self-evaluation of, for blind spots. Um, like the question is, am I willing to do that, that sort of hard work of evaluating blind spots in my life? And, and I'll just 
call out a few different areas. One could be just like on a macro level. So, so like the idea of, of where, where is my thinking maybe like perfectly aligned with cultural American Christianity, but, but perhaps not aligned with God's heart if we really think about it. Um, yeah. Like a painful example, this is, this is like slavery, a blind spot for American Christianity. And like, I ask myself sometimes, like, would I have been complicit if I lived back then? I hope not. I hope not. Um, but in order to see that back then, I'm sure you would have had to look, you had to look beyond what cultural Christianity is, of the day is, is saying and, and be filled with the spirit and be filled with the word. And that would have looked radical back then. Um, the other thing on a micro level, like looking at our own hearts and Jeff, you started talking about this, like looking at our own hearts for acceptable idols, those idols that, that society says, and even Christian culture says, like, we'll just let those be like phone addiction or body image or overworking or over pursuit of leisure. Like these are the untouchable idols. Like, are there, should there be untouchable idols in my life? Absolutely not. Are we willing to go there into that space and, and let God, you know, push on those and challenge those in our lives? Um, another one, another blind spot question. Am I only living a vertical gospel or am I living a vertical and a horizontal gospel? So I'm thinking of, of Galatians 2, where, where Peter was eating with the, the Gentiles and then some folks came up, I think from Jerusalem and he stopped eating with the Gentiles at Antioch. And, and Paul, um, it says in Galatians 2, Paul opposed Peter to his face. And then he said, he didn't say this is an obedience issue. He said, this is a gospel issue. Um, and I was really just kind of struck, struck by that, the idea of, of, of the vertical gospel having the horizontal implications and how does that play out in my life? Another, another example, this is from the book, David Platt's book. He calls out two headlines in the same newspaper on the same day. One of the headlines says, First Baptist Church celebrates $23 million building. And then in smaller print, another headline says, Baptists raise $5,000 for refugees in Sudan. So, so 23 million for the elaborate, elaborate sanctuary, which would be fairly commonplace, I think in America, and then $5,000 for the, the people in Sudan who are, who are starving and who are dying apart from Christ. That was really convicting for me. And the last thing I wanna share, um, I referenced John 6, where those disciples heard something that Jesus said and they, and they stopped following him. But later on in that chapter, John or Jesus said to the 12, he said, do you guys wanna walk away too? Like, do you wanna go away as well? Are you guys gonna roll out? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we've believed and we've come to know that you're the Holy One of God. Mm. So for all the moments that Peter has, good and bad, he nailed that one. Mm. What, a, what a moment. That was, that's a, I'm so glad you brought up that scripture. It's one of my uh, favorite moments uh, with the disciples too. I think, I, I, I think it's important for us to, to look at those blind spots. We have to just uh, admit as well and remember here in Fairfax, we are, I mean, we are like the second richest community in the history of the world. Like that's what we're living in right now. Like we just, we have so much. And, and are we investing 
for the kingdom of God, or are we just busy building our own little kingdoms? Like, you know, I, I, I think about this, this, this call, I, I just want to end with it again, Luke 15, therefore, Luke 14, excuse me, therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. But like you said, like Peter got it, like, you're it, like, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus is the reward. And so I I, I hope that, that, that this is challenging to me. It's been encouraging, uh, but but I hope that uh, uh, this really in, in, engages our hearts to really pursue Christ because he is so worth it. He just is. And uh, so I hope that this is encouraging to you. Thank you so much for being a part of this, Dave, and uh, for all of our church family. Uh, I, I'm praying that the Lord uses this maybe to wake us up a little bit, maybe to challenge us, maybe to have to ask some, some tough questions, but let's get after it because he is worth it. Let's go love Christ and live sin. Thanks for listening to the Fairfax Bible Church Discipleship Podcast. If this episode was helpful for you, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share with someone else. Until next time, we pray you continue to grow as a disciple as you love Christ and live sent.